Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Did you know that the oldest book in the Bible, Job, contains the same questions that have plagued mankind for centuries ever since? Questions that you likely have heard in coffee shops, universities, living rooms, parties, hospital rooms, and even funeral homes. Questions that you, yourself, have probably asked, such as, Is this all there is to life? How can a sinful person ever be right with a holy God? What's wrong with me anyway? What happens after I die? Will I live again, or is it the end of my existence? Where do the dead go, anyway? How can we be sure? What can be more relevant and pressing questions than these? What else really matters if you don't have the answers? Well, Job asked these same questions. And do you know where the answers are? Yes, in the Bible. All these questions and more were taken up by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. What better authority on things spiritual and eternal? Yes, Christ not only answered our intellectual questionings, but he did something about our greatest need. We need somebody outside of ourselves to show us and to provide us the way. How wonderful that Christ came for that very purpose. Listen to today's message with speaker David Peterson as he explains for us the adequacy of God's own Son to meet our greatest spiritual needs. Job chapter 14, and starting at verse 1. Job says, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such a one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Now here's question number one that I want to look at. Job says, Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Now drop down please to verse 14. Another question. Question 2. If a man die, shall he live again? Now finally back to verse 10. This is the order in which we're going to look at these three questions. Verse 10. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? Where is he? Now, Job, just to give you a little idea of what's going on in the life of Job, who penned these words, Job was a righteous man who found himself in the arena of conflict between the Lord and the adversary, the devil. The Lord has looked upon Job and challenges Satan and says to the devil, in essence, he says, Have you considered my servant Job, that there's no one like him in all of the earth? He's a perfect man, a righteous man. Have you considered him? Have you looked at him? And Satan responds, the adversary responds by saying, well, that's because you've blessed him and you've put a hedge about him, you've protected him and you've blessed him with many good things. If you take away those things, he will curse you to your face. And so the Lord and the adversary put Job in the middle of a test, in the middle of a conflict. And Satan is allowed 
to take away those very things that God has given to them. And so there's a day when Job's herds and Job's animals are out feeding, and he would have never thought that anything like this could have happened to him as quickly as it happened to him. But a servant comes back to Job, and he looks like he's been beaten quite badly, I'm sure. And he says, Job, I have some terrible news. I was out in the fields, and your oxen, 500 yoke of oxen, and your donkeys that were feeding next to them. The Arabians came. They took away your flocks. They took them all away, took away the herd. They killed all of your servants except for me. I'm the only one that remains. And he had no sooner finished that statement than another servant comes who looks exactly the same and says, you're not going to believe this, Job, but lightning out of heaven has come and has burned up all of your sheep, 7,000 sheep, and your servants were killed, and I'm the only one left. And while he's speaking, another servant comes and tells him that the Chaldeans have stolen his 3,000 camels and killed all of the servants, and he's the only one left. Then finally, one more servant approaches him and says, Job, I've got some terrible news. Your seven sons, your three daughters, they were eating in your oldest son's home. A whirlwind came, blew the four corners of the house down. Your children are all dead. And every material possession, everything that Job had was lost. And the Bible is very careful to tell us that in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And so there's another get-together between the Lord and Satan, the adversary, and they come together. And he's in the arena of conflict again. And God says, have you considered my servant Job that there is not a man like him in all of the earth, a man that is righteous and upright and loves what's good and hates what's evil? And the devil says, all right, this time, that's because you've protected him. And you touch his body and he will curse you to your face. You take away his health. Now, that's the only thing that Job had left. And God allowed Satan to touch his body and Satan covered him with boils. And he scraped himself with pottery. And he couldn't get any comfort. And yet, in all of it, Job still didn't charge God foolishly. Now, I tell you that whole story because of this. If there was ever a man that had questions on his mind about God, about eternity, about evil, about good, about why this is happening to me, if ever there was a man that had questions about eternal things, it was this man Job. In fact, the book of Job has more questions in it than anything else. One after the other after the other. Tragedy has struck and he is filled with so many questions. And we're going to look at three good old gospel questions that Job asked. In addition to that, I have a book on my shelf and it's called The Answers of Jesus to Job by G. Campbell Morgan. Now, maybe some of you have heard of that book. And I saw that title, and I said, boy, there, there's got to be a message in there somewhere. The Answers of Jesus to Job. Now, I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I do know this much. I do know that Jesus and Job did not live at the same time. So how did Jesus answer Job's questions? Well, the Lord Jesus lived about 2,000 years later, and he answered all of Job's questions. They're found in the Bible. And I want to tell you, they're still the most relevant of questions that could be asked. You can't tell me this isn't a relevant book. The oldest book in the Bible is Job and contains the most relevant questions. You know, things get pretty irrelevant after a short period of time. You know what? If you wanted to study computer science, do you think a textbook from 1970 is going to help you very much? You think a textbook that's 38 years old is going to tell you anything? It becomes irrelevant. In fact, everything that comes from the pen of mere men will eventually, will eventually become irrelevant. But what comes from the hand of God and what comes from the mouth of God, His very Word, will always be timely. 
It will always be relevant. Listen to the oldest questions that are recorded for us in the Bible. Job says, question number one, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing? And you know what he's talking about? He's talking about our entrance into the world. He's talking about the way that we're born. If you go back to verse one, he says, man that is born of a woman. This is the setting. This is the context that he is speaking about. Sinful humanity can only produce sinful humanity. Everyone in this meeting tonight, I hate to tell you, but it's the truth. Everyone in the meeting tonight is a sinner because your parents were sinners and their parents were sinners. I'm a sinner because we have been born that way. That's what the Bible says, that we are born, we are shaped in iniquity and in sin that our mothers conceive us. The Bible says in Isaiah 48, we're transgressors from the womb, from the very beginning. No one ever had to sit you down and teach you how to tell lies and teach you how to do bad things and teach you how to have bad thoughts. It's because you were born in sin. And the only thing that sinners can produce by way of birth is more sinners. And the reason why you sin and the reason why I sin is because we have a sinful nature. We were born that way. And Job says, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing? Well, 2,000 years later, the Lord Jesus provided the answer. As far as Job was concerned, he, he says not one. That's true. But Jesus gave an answer that we've all been waiting for, that the world had been waiting for. Is it possible that God can take an unclean sinner that's fit only for hell and judgment and the lake of fire forever and ever? Is it really possible that God can take an unclean sinner and make him clean? Lord Jesus had the answer. Because as he went through life, as he went through his journey here, that's what he did better than anything else. He was in the business of making unclean people clean. He came to a woman that was morally unclean, an immoral woman, and he sat by the well, and he had a conversation with her. And by the time the story had concluded, he had made this woman clean. He had cleansed her from her sin, and she began to tell everybody about this man that she had met that had saved her soul, the Christ, the Messiah. He made people that were morally unclean clean. He made people that were physically unclean clean. The leper. He'd come and touch the leper, and nobody touched lepers. The Lord Jesus did. They were physically unclean. They were socially unclean. They were outcasts. But the Lord Jesus made them clean by just a touch from his hand. He made those that were ritually unclean clean. The woman with the issue of blood that was not allowed to enter into the temple. And the reason why she couldn't enter into the temple is that she was ritually unclean. She could not be in the presence of where God was. And that's what's true of every one of us. That's what makes a gospel meeting so important that you have sinned against God and you cannot enter into the presence of God because of your sin. But there's somebody that can cleanse you from your sin. It's one thing to talk about all the people that the Lord Jesus made clean in the Bible. But my friend, the great news of the gospel is he can make you clean. He can take your sins away. He can wash you in his precious blood. And Job asked that question that the Lord would answer later on. Now I want to look at question number two. Jumping down to verse 14, here's a question, and he's not speaking now about our entrance into the world. He's speaking about our exit from the world. He says, if a man dies, shall he live again? If a man dies. Have you ever thought about that? You ever been in bed one night and you just lay there and said, you know, if I die, is that it? Or is there something beyond it? Can I ask you, who put that thought into your head? Do we have any reliable records where people, they died, and as far as we know, they went to heaven and hell? Have you ever seen anybody go into heaven? Have you ever seen anybody go into hell? No. So where did that thought come from? 
It's not based on anything experientially. I'll tell you where that thought came from. It came from the Spirit of God that works in people's lives and speaks in the stillness of the night sometimes and gets you to think, hey, where am I going to be? It, when my life comes to an end, where will I be then? If a man die, shall he live again? I think Job probably wants to know not only where am I going to be, but Job wanted to know about his servants that had died. He had gotten that tragic news from one man right after the other. What about all those servants that have been killed? What about that? Where are they? And what about his friends and his family members that had been struck down in that tragic loss in the oldest brother's house? Where are my seven boys? Where are my three girls? Is death the end or is there something else? 2,000 years later, Jesus answered Job's question. He said in John chapter 5, The hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And he said to a grieving Martha in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. There is something beyond this life. There is something beyond this life. And all of us are going to leave this life. We were born into the world, and we're going to make our departure from it. Job says, if a man die, shall he live again? I want to spend most of my time, though, on the, the last question. Jumping back to verse 10. Look at verse 10. Man gives up the ghost, or man yields up the spirit. He's dead, and where is he? Let me ask you a very simple question. If you've ever thought in the stillness of the night before, if I die, what's going to happen to me? Have you ever thought about, is there really a heaven? Is there really a hell? Where will I be if I die? Never thought about that. It was February the 21st, 1995, and I will just call her Jean. She was from France. She celebrated her 120th birthday. She was verifiably the oldest person in the world and actually had become somewhat of a celebrity in France and actually throughout the world. France's Minister of Health came to, to her birthday party, and she thought that was quite something. Three books had been written about her. The medical scientists researched their life to try to discover how is it that this woman was able to live so long? What was the secret of her longevity? And they found that she ate, I like this, she ate two pounds of chocolate every week. She lived to 120. She smoked until she was age 117, and that got them scratching their heads. How is this possible? She cooked with olive oil. That's good news. She took vigorous walks. She even rode a bike until she was 100. She recorded an album a music album when she was 119. And at age 110, she said with, with good humor, she said, I had to wait 110 years to finally become famous. And I intend to enjoy it as long as possible. But by age 120, she was in a wheelchair, confined to a wheelchair, and she said, I see badly, I hear badly, I can't feel anything, but apart from that, everything's okay. Someone asked what kind of a future she expected. And this is what she said. She said, uh, a very short one very short one. She was right. She had one more birthday. And she met with death. And whether you live to 120 or 20, the best you can expect is a very short future in this life. Man giveth up the ghost. And if the first question has to do with our entrance into the world and the second our exit from it, I want to direct your attention on an eternity that lies ahead. An eternity in either heaven, heaven forever, or hell forever. Job uses a few images to remind us that we're all going to die someday. We're all going out. He talks about us like we're a flower in verse 2 that just blooms for a while 
and it looks so beautiful, and the next thing you know, someone comes along and cuts the flower down, and that's the end of it. And then he speaks about our life like a shadow that only lasts as long as there is light behind it. And then it's gone. And he says we're unlike a tree. In verses 7 through 9, a tree that will sprout again by what falls from it. In some ways, the trees just continue and continue and continue, but that's not what we're like. We're here for a short time, and as James says, we're like the mist from the mouth, that when it leaves, it's here, and then it's gone. And can I ask you, where will you be then when your life is over? Where will you be? We're all going to die. Job asks, man gives up the ghost, and where is he? Where are people that have died? Jesus answers the question. 2,000 years later, he said the lost people, tragically, lost people, die in their sins, and they go to hell. This is real stuff that we're preaching here tonight. People that die in their sins, tragically, land in hell. There's a man in Luke 16, the Lord allows us to see what happens to a man that dies in his sins, who had everything in this life, but he died and left all of it behind and landed in the torments of eternal fire. Jesus said, there's a real hell, and lost sinners go there. William Willimon was his name, told the story of an aggravating funeral that he attended in a country church. He said that the preacher was pounding on the pulpit and he looked over at the casket. And here this man was in the casket and he said, he would say, it's too late for Joe here. He might have wanted to get his life together. He may have wanted to spend more time with his family. He may have even wanted to be saved. He may have wanted to become a Christian. He said, but it's too late for Joe. He's dead. Joe's family sitting right there. He says, it's too late for him, but it's not too late for you. You're still alive. You still have time. You, there's still time for you to do something about it. And then he, he proceeded to tell a story about a greyhound bus and how one time a greyhound bus came through the funeral procession and, and killed some of the people that were there. Now, I wouldn't recommend ever preaching like this. And the people were just aghast in horror at the, the lack of sensitivity of this man. Well, on his way home, he looked over his wife. He says, I'll tell you something. Have you ever seen anything as manipulative and disgusting as what that man did in that funeral home, in that, in that church? And this is what she said. She said, I've never seen anything like it before. She said it was manipulative, it was disgusting, it was insensitive, and worst of all, it was true. That's right. It was true. He's gone, and there's nothing he can do. But you're here, and you have time, and you have the breath of life in you, and God can save you. But once your life is over, it's either heaven forever or it's hell forever. Jesus said lost people go to hell. But you know something? Jesus said, save people, go to heaven. He told his disciples in John chapter 14, he said, if I go away, if I go away, he said, I will come again. I'm just going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The Bible tells us about a real heaven. The book of Revelation unfolds to us the glories of that place where those that are saved from their sins will go. And can I ask you very plainly, if your life came to an end tonight, would you open up your eyes in torments? Or would you open up your eyes in heaven? Which would it be? You could throw everything else aside in your mind tonight about what you plan to do tomorrow and the next week. The most critical thing that you will ever face are the most relevant questions that the Word of God has to ask. Man dieth and wasteth away. Man giveth up the ghost and where is he? Maybe you've never thought about where you're going to spend eternity, but that the Holy Spirit will wake you up to eternal reality and that you'll repent of your sin and trust the Savior.
yes, a real heaven and a real hell. The Lord Jesus Christ said so, and he came to prepare us for our ultimate destiny. Are you willing to accept the Bible's answers to the big questions? Or are you more comfortable in just asking the questions and never accepting the answers? Many people are like that. We trust that you will be prepared to listen to what God, the architect of the universe, your creator and sustainer, says in his word, the Bible. You need to be saved, to be made right in God's sight, or you will never, no, never enjoy the eternal life that Christ offers. Turn to him today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. 